You need these five tips if you're going to buy a home in Michigan, so be sure to stick around so you can actually get your offer accepted. Let's get to it. Welcome to the Real Estate in Michigan Audio Experience Podcast with your host and local real estate professional, Andrew McManaman. This housing market is stressful. I think my hair is slowly turning gray and I'm sure yours is too as a buyer trying to jump on this 20 miles per hour treadmill we call the housing market flat-footed. I've been getting several texts, emails, and direct messages on social media from people all over the country wondering what it takes to get your offer accepted in Michigan's housing market today. So I have compiled five tips or strategy, you could say, to get your offers accepted because it's been working for my clients when used correctly. And before I jump into it, these strategies are used when you're in a multiple offer scenario, not necessarily when a home's been on the market for a while or just isn't getting much traffic at all. This is for that home that people would die for, the line out the door that has buyers discouraged before they even step foot in the place. So keep that in mind as I move through these strategies. Kicking this list off with the number one strategy to getting your offer accepted today, and that's the use of an appraisal guarantee. This is a very important thing to understand, so I'm going to spend a few extra minutes on it. An appraisal guarantee is verbiage that's been utilized infrequently over the last decade or so until we face the housing market during and after the pandemic. For those of you that don't know what an appraisal or appraiser is, this is an individual that is sent out to put a value on a home based on comparable home sales and features. This individual has a lot of power in their hands as the value they come up with becomes what a mortgage lender is willing to give you to purchase a home. For example, let's say you put in an offer in on a $200,000 house, but this appraiser person came out and said on their detailed report that it's worth $190,000. At that point, that's all a buyer obtaining a mortgage is able to purchase this home for. So. In a perfect world, the seller would drop the price $10,000 and proceed with the process. Otherwise, the buyer wouldn't be able to purchase it because they don't have the funds to do so. In a not so perfect world, Mr. Appraisal Guarantee shows its ugly face in the room. With offers on homes going ridiculous amount over asking price, sellers are wanting a guarantee that what you are offering is supported. So let's break this down a little bit. So let's say on that same $200,000 home, there's five offers on the table and the best offer gets accepted for $215,000. Since the home appraised for $190,000 based on the example I broke down earlier, you'd be essentially paying $25,000 over the market value. So on top of your closing costs and down payment, if there is an appraisal deficiency in any way, sellers are wanting buyers to cover it. In this example, if you had 100% guarantee, you'd be paying an extra $25,000 out of pocket, which states that if the appraisal comes in less than your offer price, you agree to pay some cash out of pocket to lessen the gap up to your purchase price and not to exceed it. But keep in mind, it doesn't have to be 100%. You could pay $5,000 or even 2,500 bucks, whatever would make that offer look more appealing. There's just this misconception that you need to cover that gap completely, but you don't. I will say, however, sellers will lean more toward those offers unless your agent is able to provide some comparable sales in the area and say, okay, look, your, your house is priced at $300,000. I wanna offer $350,000, but I will only guarantee $10,000 instead of the expected 50K because there's a home like yours 
in the same neighborhood that sold for $340,000. So we believe it will appraise at that higher value. You might be sitting back thinking, why is something like this even part of the home buying process? And I feel you, but think about it for a second. Knowing that an appraiser holds the power to determine the home value and how much a lender is willing to give you to buy that home, what's stopping you from offering a million dollars on a $200,000 home? that will by far beat out any offer, right? But you and I both know that the appraisal on that same home is $190,000. So there's absolutely no benefit to a seller accepting that offer unless you can promise to have some money to back that up. I'll do another example before I switch to the next strategy. So there's two offers on this $200,000 home. Offer number one is $250,000 with no guarantee. And the offer number two is $205,000 with a $5,000 guarantee. Which one would you pick? The first one, obviously. Kidding, I was just making sure that you're paying attention. So assuming this is the same home that appraised for $190,000, the first offer would simply revert back to that $190,000 since they didn't guarantee squat and the second offer would come out to $195,000. So that's why guarantees are important and why price isn't everything to a seller when sifting through their offers. The one caveat to this example I will say is, you don't know the home's appraised value before you offer on a home, and that's where this next strategy comes into play. The good old escalation clause. You may have heard about it, you may have not, but this is a clause that will often work in unison with the appraisal guarantee depending on the offer situation, of course. An escalation clause is a safety net, but a lot of sellers and listing agents don't wanna deal with them, and I'll tell you why in a second. The verbiage for this clause in a contract would be something like, Buyer agrees to increase their offer by $5,000 increments up to a max purchase price of $250,000 with offer proof. As a buyer in this market, or any market for that matter, there's always the concern when getting into a multiple offer scenario if you're actually offering the right amount or if you just if you're just way out in left field. So when people think multiple offer scenario, they assume the offers are getting 25 to 50K over asking price on your average priced home, but it could have just went five to 10K over. And if you're dead set on offering 50K over, when the next highest offer is only 5K over, that would suck. And that's where the escalation clause comes in at. Based on the verbiage I used earlier, you'd be increasing your offer $5,000 more than the next highest offer. Instead of just throwing your offer out there and hoping it's not too high. You might be wondering, why $5,000 though? Well, that goes back to sellers and listing agents not wanting to deal with them because as a listing agent, your phone is getting blown up 24 seven in this market, just being fully transparent with you. You're trying to keep track of every offer and this clause adds an extra step because you'd be essentially having them battle back and forth. For example, I had listed a home for an investor client of mine and two offers came in with escalation clauses. So I was back and forth with the buyer's agent of each of these offers saying, well, they increased their offer to this and then calling the other one and saying, okay, they went this high. It just becomes this car auction in a sense without the fast rambling voices. We we drove the price extremely high and since I listed the home, my job was to get the seller a ton of money, which is exactly what I'm supposed to do. So in my opinion, if your agent says no to escalation clauses, they're just being lazy. People will say, just offer your highest and best instead of giving people the opportunity to use escalation clauses. And in my opinion, again, cutting that clause out increases buyer's remorse and the possibility of someone backing out since they feel like they are spending too much money because they have no idea what the other offers went for. 
using an escalation clause gives you that in in a sense because at the end of my verbiage I say with offer proof which means I need to physically see this offer in order for us to agree to escalating. Without offer proof you'd just be taking someone's word for it who's working in the best interest of the seller which wouldn't be good. To answer the question about why $5,000, the higher that increment is, the more likely the listing agent will agree to the clause. Because if you were just increasing the offer, let's say $1,000 at a time, they aren't going to play that back and forth game nickel and diming until everyone reaches an end. These clauses can be easy to use though, especially when agents do what I did and put a cap on the increments. Some people keep it open-ended and that's just asking for a full-blown disaster. You could be assuming it will go 25K over, but one of the offers was a lotto winner who escalated at $100,000 over asking. So do yourself a favor and cap that off. Your wallet will thank you. Those are the two biggest strategies to getting your offer accepted today. The rest can be used in unison, but act as a secondary incentive for your offer to be accepted when there's a few that are relatively competitive with one another. The next strategy is free post-close occupancy. So as a buyer in the trenches right now, you understand the hardship of getting your offer accepted. Maybe you've had five offers denied already. Take that stress and add trying to sell a house at the same time. I know these sellers feel like monsters, but I pinky promise they are humans too. They are just trying to get the funds they need to buy the next home. Post-close occupancy gives the seller a safety net in case there are any delays or complications on their home purchase, or maybe they just need some extra time to pack up their home. Most home sellers are asking for 30 to 60 days of post-close occupancy, which means that when you close on a home as a buyer, the seller gets to stay in it for the next 30 to 60 days. In a perfect world, if a seller needs some occupancy, they would pay for their time staying in the home, and that would be the cost of your mortgage, not theirs. So they would be paying more money to live in the same house after closing. This is often referred to as a rent back because the seller is renting the home back from you for a certain period of time. If a couple offers are close to each other, some people will tack on free post-close occupancy and this just truly depends on what a seller values. So always chatting with the agent prior to submitting an offer and asking what is your seller looking for in an offer? What do they value? becomes a good outline for an offer. Let's say they have three kids and the home is just jam packed with toys and everything else. I bet they'd appreciate being able to stay in the home for free instead of having one more bill to worry about while they transition into that next home. So that one month of a mortgage payment may be the differentiating factor on whether or not you can get your offer accepted on this home. Moving along to strategy number four, we have waiving a home inspection. When a seller gets a lot of offers in hand, their deciding factor tends to be an offer with less contingencies. And if you don't know what a contingency is, in simple terms, it's something that allows you to back out of the home purchase without any repercussions. So a home inspection is a contingency. An appraisal is a contingency. The ability to obtain financing is also a contingency. So if you're someone who's paying all cash, you just remove the financing contingency as well as the appraisal contingency because you don't get one of those if you're not getting a mortgage. So that's a lot less stress on a seller's shoulders and that's why sellers will often accept a lower all cash offer even if there's an offer higher with a mortgage. There's just too many what ifs in play when it comes to contingencies. 
Since most people can't dish out an all-cash offer to remove contingencies, they do the next best thing, waive a home inspection. Offers today are known to waive a home inspection completely so you won't, as a buyer, just nitpick the seller's home to try and dwindle down the price. Let's say your offer won and you offered 50k over asking price. Maybe you had time to sleep on it a little bit and you're thinking you bit off a little bit more than you can chew but you still love the house. You could make it a point and say, well, based on the inspection report, it needs a new roof, furnace, AC unit, and a garage door. So let's take $50,000 off the purchase price to satisfy that. For one, the seller will just laugh at you and accept the next offer, but waiving the inspection completely gives them that peace of mind that no matter what the findings are during the inspection, you can't use it to negotiate. But before you jump into the comments and say, Andrew, why would you ever recommend someone waive their home inspection? And I don't actually, but this is what the competition is doing. I tell people to do a pass-fail inspection. You are either content with the findings of the home inspection or you're not. And in that case, you back out and keep looking. It just lets the seller know, okay, this buyer isn't just going to nickel and dime me. But what's pretty cool about this strategy is even when there is a pass-fail in place, if something unknown pops up that the seller may have never known about, there's often this guilty feeling and they agree to have a conversation about it. So in a sense, this verbiage doesn't actually do anything, but it does let the sellers know you're not going to tweak out about a busted outlet cover. The last strategy is one that is often not utilized, but I always make a point of doing so, and that's adding a personal touch. Like I said, sellers might seem like monsters, but they are human beings too. Of course, they'd like to make as much money as possible off the sale of their home, but they can feel for you in your situation at the same time. You ever hear these homeowners who say, I just want to give the home full of memories to a great family. The Fair Housing Act would call this discrimination, but they probably aren't realtors, so they can sell their home to whoever they want to. Adding personal touches could be a buyer letter that shows the seller your personality a little bit, along with some things you love about the home too. Keep in mind, some listing agents accept these and others do not because they believe there is a conflict of discrimination. So they just steer clear of this altogether, but if you aren't making the decision on an offer to accept it solely on the fact that the potential buyer put a picture of their family on the letter, then there really isn't any harm to it. Just something to keep in mind going forward. Another thing I do to add a personal touch is I'm very observant in a home when I view it with a client. I get a good idea of their personality, their hobbies, and their interests, and I'll oftentimes give a free gift card up to a certain amount to the seller and say something along the lines of, I know the housing market is stressful, so we figured we would treat you to a dinner at a brewing company because we noticed your growler collection in the basement and we thought you could have a nice evening in your town before you move. I also consider myself as somewhat of a strapping young lad. So I have offered free moving services from yours truly to help the sellers move out of their home. I figured if I could help move a dresser or two, save them a little money with the movers, they, they might appreciate it. So it never hurts to try. I want to state again that these strategies are used in multiple offer scenarios. If there's a home that has a few offers on it, you could consider doing one of these last few strategies instead of the guarantee or the escalation clause. And if the home has been sitting on the market for 10, 15, or 20 plus days, don't feel the need to offer at asking price because in today's housing market, when a home is priced right, it can sell in three to five days. If you need any help whatsoever, buying, selling, or investing in the wonderful state of Michigan, please don't hesitate to reach out and I would be happy to be your go-to resource. Thank you as always for listening to my podcast. If you would follow, subscribe, and leave a five-star review on the platform you listen to this on, I would greatly appreciate it. Stay tuned for the next episode.